everybody. Welcome to Cloud of Compass Podcast. This is Lori Smith, your host. You want to know more about me? Do you want to work with me? Do you like what I have to say? Um, do you want to write me hate mail? Check me out on social media. I'm at Cloud of Compass 2021 on TikTok and Cloud of Compass 2021 on Instagram. I started this podcast because I wanted to share my knowledge, skills, and experience as an LMSW of 20 years. I am a survivor of help that harmed. I have had mental health issues. My ACEs score is high. I've had a history of trauma, but I also have some professional skills, knowledge, and experience that you might benefit from. I have been a certified diabetes educator for 10 years. I have worked in um, doctor's offices as a care manager with chronic health issues. I am certified. um, I'm a certified anxiety treatment provider, certified um, trauma provider. Provider, certified in compassion fatigue, addiction-informed mental health, and most recently a human rights consultant. I am the author of the book Life Hacks with Life Hacks, Tips and Tricks for Accessing Your Inner Resilience. I am the owner of Resilience Coach, which is an outpatient behavioral health therapy. And most recently, I am the owner of Cloud of Compass Coaching Consulting, um, which is part of this podcast. I have courses in um, recovery-oriented material, uh, neurodivergent um, information coming in. So I have courses, I have webinars, I have um, guests on my podcast, I have merchandise coming out soon. I have a link tree on my social media where you can access all of these things. I'd love for you to learn more about me. Love to you to for you to see if we are a good fit for working together. And in the month of December, I am hosting a half-off special of my of my signature course um, because I want to share this information with the world. It is a six-week course with 12 sessions, um, 12 videos of me. Um, again, I'm a little neurodivergent, so it's a little, um, it's not what you're going to expect from a course on transformation, but it is useful information. It is what I have found practical in my practice. It has the 12 video sessions, but it also has 200 page workbook of tools for self-regulation. And we teach how to uncover your own innate skill set. This is why I called my company Clouded Compass, because there are things that we have not been pointed towards. And once we align with our internal assets, our life becomes um, a little bit uh, uh, um, we become empowered, period. So check me out. Check me out on all my social media. Please leave comments. Let me know what you think. I would love to hear you, um, see you join my course. And please leave comments about the podcast too. I'd love to know what your favorite um, podcasts are, which ones you think really suck. And let's build community together. Let's educate, empower, and evolve. And let's uncover your own innate assets. Stay tuned. Okay, we are continuing the myth of normal with Gabor Mate. Because I feel like it's essential reading for everybody, uh, every adult in our country, I am going to go through the, the book very detailed and offer you um, some of its benefits because I believe in Gabor Mate and I believe in what he has to say. Part one, our interconnected nature. Chapter one, the last place you want to be, facets of trauma. So let's dig in. He is talking about uh, an episode where he displayed trauma. He calls it a physio-emotional time warp. I really love that explanation. It inhibits us from, um, it inhibits, 
us from experiencing the present moment. Excuse me, I couldn't get my words out. Um, it, it's That's one of the imprints of trauma is that it keeps us out of the present and an underlying theme for much of us in this culture, actually. In fact, it is so deeply underlying that many of us don't even know it's there. If you look at how much time we spend every day escaping through TV, food, drugs, alcohol, um, relationships, etc., and so on, our phones, you will, video games, you will find that we are living in a culture of escape. Now, why that matters is because 60 years ago, we were not as disassociated from ourselves. And while things were not perfect back then and not exactly ideal, uh, what was very different is we had more capacity to tolerate the present and, in fact, actually appreciated the present to some level. So whether trauma, the meaning of the word, is Greek in origin, it means wound. That's it. Trauma means wound. So all of this time I'm talking about trauma and people are a little bit apprehensive about listening to me, it's just a wound. We are all wounded, period. That's what happens in life. And it's something we need to pay attention to, which is why I'm reading this book for you. Whether we realize it or not, he says, it is our woundedness or how we cope with it that dictates much of our behaviors, shapes our social habits, and informs our way of thinking about the world. It can even determine whether or not we are capable of rational thought at all in matters of the greatest importance to our lives. Our woundedness or how we cope with it dictates much of our behavior. That's why I have a profession. I'm a social worker. Our wounds speak in behaviors. Our wounds shape our social habits, who I feel safe around and who I don't, who I want to engage with and who I don't, if we bully, if we don't. And it informs our way of thinking about our world. This is why I named my business Clouded Compass, because I literally feel in some ways like it is a sheer clouded film that we feel like we have walking through life that there, there's like this invisible covering that separates me from you. I've always felt that way. Um, and simultaneously, uh, I felt also that I didn't get that protective covering that many of y'all talk about when, you know, protection from um, imperfections and messing up and, and um, you know, I didn't get that protective covering from your emotions. And there's a reason for that. It's trauma. But we just need to realize this really does color and shape how we experience and walk through our world. Peter Levine, he says, which is a really good trauma um, expert, by the way, has written that certain shocks to the organism can alter a person's biological, physical, psychological, and social equilibrium to such a degree that the memory of one particular event comes to taint and dominate all other experiences, spoiling an appreciation of the present moment. Levine calls this the tyranny of the past which is a gut punch. It alters us in ways we have not factored in biologically, physiologically, psychologically, and socially. The tyranny of the past didn't go anywhere. It is right here affecting us today. Okay, so then he later on he says um, about the... Um, rejection of a loving mother his mother um 
he had some mommy issues uh, for good reason. She was a Holocaust survivor. Quote, I was so hurt when you abandoned me, said the young child's mind, that I will not reconnect with you. I don't dare open myself up to that pain again. In many children, and I was certainly one, he says, early reactions like these become embedded in the nervous system, mind, and body, playing havoc with our future relationships. They show up throughout the lifetime in response to any incident even vaguely resembling the original imprint, often without any recall of the inciting circumstances. Our minds and our bodies and our presence will react to an event in the past without even fully recalling the past. Our bodies protect us before we rationally can understand the danger or assess for it. So it's an old deep brain emotional circuit programmed in infancy that typically takes over while the rational, calming, self-regulating parts of his brain went offline. And we actually can be rational, calm, self-regulating creatures, but that takes maturation and maturation doesn't happen without trauma. Excuse me. Maturation is halted when trauma is, is around. So all trauma is preverbal is what he, Bessel uh, Vandercook, which is another really good trauma expert. He wrote um, The Body Keeps Score. All trauma is preverbal. First, the psychic wounds we sustain are often inflicted upon us before our brain is capable of formulating any kind of verbal narrative. Second, even after we become language endowed, some wounds are imprinted on regions of our nervous system having nothing to do with language or concepts. That includes the brain, but the rest of the body. They are stored in parts of us that words and thoughts cannot directly access. They are subverbal. So when you go and you are a person of color and you're around a, a, one of us white folks, your body is going to respond before your mind does. Similarly, I grew up very rural in a white working class farm town. Many of the bodies I've been around will instinctively react to a person of color and they may not even know why that that's happening. You may not know why that's happening. That has to do with our history and it is a direct result of generations before us and it's subverbal. Okay, this is why this is very important. Nobody has a slave today, I hope. Nobody wants to harm each other, I hope, but we cannot afford any longer to neglect the fact of looking at where we've been and how we got here. Six generations ago, that's how deep I want you to go because that's how they, um, that's how long they it, believe that trauma impacts our generations. Six generations ago, I want you to look at the circumstances and I want you to start considering how that is affecting us today. And one of the ways is subverbal nervous system response. Primal implicit experience, he calls it excuse me, Bessel van der Kirk calls it, that moves us in ways the conscious mind can only begin to imagine. So there come, so for, exa for example, he's usually using um, some examples here that a measure of progress and relative maturation um, he, he notices in himself. In times past, it would have taken me a day or longer to knock it off, whatever this he uses a specific trauma example that he's doing. It would take him um, days or longer to drop his resentment, to knock it off, to um, 
for his core to unfreeze, for his face to relax, for his voice to soften, and for his head to turn willingly with love towards his partner, whom he committed, uh, he was a perpetrator uh, in an episode which he's describing. So it, it, his point is that when we don't deal with, with our ailments, they affect us far longer. So what trauma is and what it does. Trauma's imprint is more endemic than we realize. Um, that may seem a bit puzzling as trauma has become something of a catchword, but to boot, the word has taken on a number of colloquial valences that confuse and dilute its meaning. The usual conception of trauma conjures up notions of catastrophic events, hurricanes, abuses, egregious neglect, and war. This has the unintended and misleading effect of relegating trauma to the realm of the abnormal, the unusual, the exceptional. Make no mistake, that happens, but that's not all there is. So it must mean those people are traumatized, but the rest of us are not. Here we miss the mark by a wide margin. Trauma pervades our culture from personal functioning through social relationships, parenting, education, popular culture, economics, and politics. Trauma pervades our culture from personal functioning. Think about the thoughts you have inside of you through social relationships Parenting, education, popular culture, economics, and politics. If you do not see this, let me direct you to Britney Spears, Paris Hilton, Jessica Simpson, Demi Lovato, um, Donald Trump, let me, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, etc. and so on. In fact, uh, school shootings, in fact, someone without the marks of trauma would be an outlier in our society. We are closer to the truth when we ask, where do each of us fit on the broad and surprisingly inclusive trauma spectrum? Which of its many marks has each of us carried all or most of our lives? And what have the impacts been? And what possibilities would open up were we to become familiar and even intimate with them? So not if, where do these trauma symptoms show? What marks do we have? And what do we want to do about these marks? Trauma is an inner injury. It is a lasting rupture or split within the self due to hurtful events. By this definition, trauma is primarily what happens within someone as a result of difficult or hurtful events that have fall them, befall them. It is not the events themselves. Trauma is not what happens to you, but what happens inside of you. And I if you take nothing else away, if you stop listening to my podcast, please share this with your friends and family. Trauma is not what happens to you. It's what happens inside you. It is a pretty normal experience in our culture. And so to pathologize that does a disservice to finding solutions. Likewise, he says, trauma is a psychic injury lodged in our nervous system, mind and body lasting long past the originating incident, trigger, it's triggerable at any moment. It is a constellation of hardships composed of the wounded self and the residual burdens that our woundedness imposes on our body and souls, the unresolved emotions they visit upon us, the coping dynamics they dictate, the tragic or melodramatic or neurotic scripts we unwittingly but inexorably live out and not, like, not least, 
the toll these takes on our body, the toll these take on our bodies. So we can, when a wound does not mend on its own, one of two things will happen. Either it will remain raw or more commonly be replaced by a thick layer of scar tissue. And as an open sore, it is an ongoing source of pain and a place where we can be hurt over and over again, even by the slightest stimulus. It compels us to be ever vigilant, always nursing our wounds, as it were, and leaves us limited in our capacity to move flexibly and act confidently lest we be harmed again. The scar is preferable then, providing protection, holding tissues together, but it has its drawbacks. It is tight, hard, inflexible, unable to grow a zone of numbness. The original healthy, alive flesh is not regenerated. That's really important. Raw wounds compel us to protect ourselves. Then we border into developing scar tissue, which is inflexible, unable to grow, numb. And I want you to ask yourself, when when you have been both the raw wound and, and what wounds you might have scar, uh, have scar tissue about. Raw wound or scar, unresolved trauma, is a constriction of self, both physical and psychological. It constrains our inborn capacities and generates an enduring distortion of our view of the world and other people. Trauma, until we work it through, keeps us stuck in the past, robbing us of the present moment's riches, limiting who we can be. By impelling us to suppress hurt and unwanted parts of the psyche, it fragments the self. If you feel whole in this world, bravo. But I have met a lot of fragmented selves in my world, including me. It is a constricted, fear-based approach to living. So until it is seen as acknowledged, it is also a barrier to growth. In many cases, as is, is Gabor's, it's, it blights a person's sense of worth, poisons relationships, and undermines appreciation for life itself. Early in childhood, it may even interfere with healthy brain development. Oh, trust me, it does develop, uh, impact brain development. We're going to be talking about that in a little while. And as we will witness, trauma is an antecedent and a contributor to illnesses of all kinds throughout the lifespan. Peter Levine once more says, trauma is perhaps the most avoided, ignored, belittled, denied, and misunderstood and untreated cause of human suffering. Two types of trauma he is going to talk about. Um, one is automatic responses and mind-body adaptations. Um, identifiable hurt and overwhelming events, whether in childhood or later. And far more common, he says, these traumas give rise to multiple symptoms or syndromes and conditions diagnosed as pathology, physical or mental, a linkage that remains almost invisible to the eyes of the mainstream medicine and psychiatry. There is capital T trauma and there is little t trauma. It creates predisposition to physical illness by driving inflammation, elevating physiological stress, 
and impairing the healthy functioning of genes, among other mechanisms. It impairs your gene functioning. Capital Capital T trauma occurs when things happen to vulnerable people that should not happen. But little t would be like the ACEs study and the childhood trauma, the less memorable but hurtful and far more prevalent misfortunes of childhood, which are universal in our culture. Children, especially highly sensitive children, can be wounded in multiple ways by bad things happening, yes, but also by good things not happening, such as their emotional need for attunement not being met because we make women return to work so early, or the experience of not being seen and accepted even by loving parents because of perhaps old parenting tools and solutions. The result of core needs not being satisfied is something that affects many of us. The traumas of everyday life can easily make us feel like a motherless child. Trauma is when we are not seen and known. That fracturing of self and one's relationship to the world is the essence of trauma. Peter Levine says trauma is about a loss of connection which is what most of us in this country are suffering from today. As the, lost con- as the lost connection gets internalized, check this out. When it gets internalized, it forges our view of reality. We come to believe in the world we see through its cracked lens. It is sobering to realize that who we take ourselves to be and the way we habitually act, including many, many of our seeming strengths, the least and the most functional aspects of our normal selves are often in part the wages of traumatic loss. I want you to think of your strengths and I want you to think of how they got developed. They typically are our response to former hurt. We each carry our wounds in our own way and there is neither sense nor value engaging them against each other. The important point is that we have all experienced a level of trauma. We don't need to compare it, but we just need to know we're all dealing with it. Here's what trauma is not. Here's a fairly reliable process of elimination checklist. It is not trauma if the following remain true over the long term. If it doesn't limit you, constrict you, diminish your capacity to feel or think or trust or assert yourself, to experience suffering without succumbing to despair or to witness it with compassion, it's not trauma. It's not trauma if it does not keep you from holding your pain and sorrow and fear without being overwhelmed and without having to escape habitually into work or compulsive self-soothing or self-stimulating by whatever means. This is to me is fascinating. If you are constricted, you feel like your capacity is diminished to feel or think or assert yourself, Or whenever you consider the suffering you've endured and it leads you to despair instead of compassion, consider yourself to be a trauma survivor. If you struggle with holding the pain and the sorrow that you feel because it is very overwhelming and you escape in the form of gambling, food, porn, um, phones, substances, etc. Consider yourself a trauma survivor. If you are not left compelled either to aggrandize yourself 
or to efface yourself for the sake of gaining acceptance or to justify your existence, maybe you haven't experienced trauma. If you strive to gain acceptance or justify your existence, that's a survival skill. Trauma does not impair your capacity to express gratitude for the beauty and wonder of life. And I know a lot of people that are have struggled with difficulty tapping into what is going well because our minds are wired to find the problem. Our minds are wired to protect us. If we feel a threat in this world, gratitude is not real close. Okay, we have to practice the muscle building neuroplasticity that that requires. So some people call this trauma shadow. Obviously, they call it an unhealed emotional wound. Um, and so what happens over time is because you've internalized this, you, be, you begin to live in your head. You begin to live up here without any ability to protect your body or to know your body. In other words, you disassociate from your body and we are taught to live in our heads. We're not taught to feel our bodies. In the absence of relief, a young person's natural response, their only response really, is to repress and disconnect from the feeling states associated with suffering. This is video games. This is playing on your phone and talking to other kids or escaping in a book. Oddly, this self-estrangement can show up later in life in the form of apparent strength, like performing at a high level um, when hungry or stressed or pushing through with an awareness that with, without being aware that you need nutrition or rest. Alternatively, some people's disconnection from their bodies manifests as not knowing when to stop eating or drinking, that enough signal didn't get through. So these are coping mechanisms. They are mandatory. And so these coping mechanisms ride on the wings of grace to save our lives in the short term. Over time, they become stamped on the psyche and soma and can, they become conditioned responses hardened into fixed mechanisms that no longer suit the situation. So we are using tools that were helpful, but they are outdated. They don't fit now. The result is chronic suffering and even disease. So um, when trauma's shackles begin to loosen, we gladly reunite with the severed parts of ourselves. So trauma splits us off from our gut feelings, encourages us to escape or to fight back, but neither option is available to a small child for to attempt either would be to put herself in further jeopardy. Nature defaults to plan C. Both impulses are suppressed by tunneling out of the emotions that would propel us, propel such responses. So what he's saying is that children get hung up because they are for survival. They need to depend on their caregiver. And if their caregiver is harming them, that it's not an option to not depend on their caregiver. That's not how they're going to survive. A traumatized nervous system, on the other hand, never gets to unfreeze. So we end up, we're not fighting, we're not escaping, we are freezing. Um, into, and so that develops our rigid scar tissue. Therefore, it is, if the circumstances dictate that these natural healthy impulses to defend ourselves or run away must be quelled, their gut level cues... The feelings themselves will have to be suppressed as well. No alarm, no, no mobilization. It seems self-defeating 
it is so only in a limited sense. On an existential level, it is the least worse option, being the only available one that reduces risk of further harm. The result is a tamping down of one's feeling world and often for extra protection, the hardening of one's psychic shell. This is important. If This is how we start to get separated from our gut level, instinctual, natural response to things. We cover it up for our safety as children because if we if we um, defend or run away, we are not going to be accepted by our tribe. So what uh, he then goes on to talk about is something called response, flexi- response flexibility. The ability to choose how we address life's inevitable ups and downs, its disappointments, triumphs, and challenges. Human freedom involves our capacity to pause between stimulus and response. And in that pause to choose the one response toward which we wish to throw our weight. Trauma robs us of this freedom. Trauma requires us to react and not respond. It negates the pause and it keeps us in fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Response flexibility is a function of the midfrontal portion of our cerebral cortex, Baby's behavior is governed by instinct and reflex, not conscious selection. The freedom to choose develops as the brain develops. The more severe and the earlier the trauma, the less opportunity response flexibility has to become encoded in the appropriate brain circuits, and the faster it becomes disabled. One becomes stuck in predictability, automatic defensive reaction, especially to stressful stimuli. Emotionally and cognitively, our range of movement becomes well-nigh sclerotic. And the greater the trauma, the more stringent the constraints. That's really important. So trauma fosters a shame-based view of self. And um, he says self-assaulting shame so easily moonlights as personal responsibility. There, He uses an example of a man's impulse to protect his mother and says it was not a defense, but was only a defense against his own unacknowledged anger towards her. The emotion had turned against him in the form of self-hatred. Contained in the experience of shame is a piercing awareness of ourselves as a fundamentally deficient in some vital way as a human being. People bearing trauma scars most almost uniformly develop a shame-based view of themselves at the core a negative self-perception most of them are too all too conscious of. Among the most poisonous consequences of shame is the loss of compassion for oneself. The more severe the trauma, the more the total, total loss. Now, you know what this cues me to talk about? Religious trauma. There are, there are some religions that teach you to be ashamed of being human. I am not aware of any God who wants his creation to be ashamed of itself or its creation to be ashamed. More importantly, if we take a misstep, if we quote unquote sin, we have tools to rectify that. We don't need to live in shame. Okay. It, that is, that is not a useful solution, but it is very effective in keeping populations in control. It is a marker of our culture's insanity 
that certain individuals who flee from shame into a shameless narcissism may even achieve great social, economic, and political status and success because we believe if you, it's either or. If you're ashamed, then you are less than. And if you are, if you beef that up, then you've conquered shame. If you, if you display narcissistic tendencies, you've conquered shame. It, they are both part of the human experience. It's not either or, it's both and. The most common form of shame assumes in this culture is the belief that I am not enough. Who can relate? Who can relate? I thought that for most of my life. All right. I'm just, trauma distorts our view of the world. The world we believe in becomes the world we live in. The world we believe in becomes the world we live in. That is really important when we're making daily decisions. What are we believing in? Are we believing that we're helpless, hopeless, and powerless? That's a trauma response. Or do we feel some sense of empowerment? That's a a healing response. We can do both, but one's going to lead to invitational future, and one is going to lead us into further despair. Trauma, um, he replied, sorry, I'm skipping around here. People were just, okay. If trauma entails a disconnection from self, then it makes sense to say that we are being collectively flooded with influences that both exploit and reinforce trauma, work pressures, multitasking, social media, news updates, multiplicities of entertainment sources. These all induce us to become lost in thought frantic activities, gadgets, meaningful com- meaningless conversations. We are caught up in pursuits of all kinds that draw us, not because they are necessary or inspiring or uplifting or because they enrich or add meaning to our lives, but simply because they obliterate the present. In an absurd twist, we save up to buy the latest time-saving devices, to th- the better to kill time. Awareness of the moment has become something to fear. Late-stage capitalism is expert in catering to this sense of present moment dread. In fact, much of its success depends on the chasm between us and the present. Our greatest gift, getting even wider. The false products and artificial distractions of consumer culture designed to fill that gap. Eva Hoffman says nothing more or less than the experience of experience itself is being lost. Ultimately, what we are distracted from is living. He then shares that trauma is in most cases multi-generational. We pass it on from to our offspring when we haven't resolved it in ourselves. The home becomes a place where we unwittingly recreate, like he did, scenarios reminiscent of those that wounded us when we were small. Trauma may even affect gene activity across generations. He's going to talk about that in his book. And blame becomes a meaningless concept the moment one understands how suffering in a family system or even in a community extends back through generations. This is not about blame. This is about looking at where we've been with honesty and compassion so that we can determine at a rational conscious level where we're going. The accusing finger can find no fixed target. That should come as a relief. Seeing trauma as an internal dynamic grants us the much-needed agency we need if 
Trauma is what took place inside us as a result of what happened in the sense of wounding or disconnection, then healing and reconnection become tangible possibilities. Trying to keep awareness of trauma at bay hobbles our capacity to know ourselves. Conversely, fashioning it from a rock-hard identity, whether that's the attitude is defiance, cynicism, or self-pity, is to miss both the point and the opportunity of healing. Since, be, since by definition, trauma represents a distortion and limitation of who we were born to be, facing it directly without either, either denial or over-identification becomes a doorway to health and balance. Because once you become aware, you then have choices. This is how you access liberation. You must be willing to question. Stay tuned. I'm going to talk about emotions, health, and the body and mind unity in the next chapter, but I want you to digest this one, and I want you to think about what resonated with you in this and what, did, what didn't and why this may be important in your own life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Cloud of Compass Podcast. This is Lori Smith, your host. You want to know more about me? Do you want to work with me? Do you like what I have to say? Um, do you want to write me hate mail? Check me out on social media. I'm at Cloud of Compass 2021 on TikTok and Cloud of Compass 2021 on Instagram. I started this podcast because I wanted to share my knowledge, skills, and experience as an LMSW of 20 years. I am a survivor of help that harmed. I have had mental health issues. My ACEs score is high. I've had a history of trauma, but I also have some professional skills, knowledge, and experience that you might benefit from. I have been a certified diabetes educator for 10 years. I have worked in um, doctor's offices as a care manager with chronic health issues. I am certified. Um, I'm a certified anxiety treatment provider, certified um, trauma provider, certified in compassion fatigue, addiction informed mental health, and most recently a human rights consultant. I am the author of the book Life Hacks with Life Hacks: Tips and Tricks for Accessing Your Inner Resilience. I am the owner of Resilience Coach, which is an outpatient behavioral health therapy. And most recently, I am the owner of Cloud of Compass Coaching Consulting. Um, which is part of this podcast. I have courses in um, recovery-oriented material, uh, neurodivergent um, information coming in. So I have courses, I have webinars, I have um, guests on my podcast, I have merchandise coming out soon. I have a link tree on my social media where you can access all of these things. I'd love for you to learn more about me. Love to you to for you to see if we are a good fit for working together. And in the month of December, I am hosting a half off special of my of my signature course um, because I want to share this information with the world. It is a six week course with 12 sessions, um, 12 videos of me. Um, again, I'm a little neurodivergent, so it's a little, um, it's not what you're gonna expect from a course on transformation, but it is useful information. It is what I have found practical in my practice. It has the 12 video sessions, but it also has 200 page workbook of tools for self-regulation. And we teach how to uncover your own innate skill set. This is why I called my company Clouded Compass, because there are things that we have not been pointed towards. And once we align with our internal assets, our life becomes um, a little bit 
we become empowered, period. So check me out. Check me out on all my social media. Please leave comments. Let me know what you think. I would love to hear you, um, see you join my course. And please leave comments about the podcast too. I'd love to know what your favorite um, podcasts are, which ones you think really suck. And let's build community together. Let's educate, empower, and evolve. And let's uncover your own innate assets. Stay tuned.